This is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Welcome to Spark My Muse, everyone. This is Lisa DeLay, and this is Soul School, Lesson 138, Place and Pilgrimage. Today, I have a returning guest on, and we're doing a special episode. I have Lisa Dean, PhD, the author of a World Transformed, Exploring the Spirituality of Medieval Maps. Thanks, Lisa, for being my guest today. Thanks. I'm so happy to be back. So you are in the process of writing a new book. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, I'm writing a book. It's about medieval pilgrimage to Jerusalem and how this historical practice can inform our own walk of faith today. I'm writing that for Fortress Press. As far as pilgrimage is concerned, it happened a lot in medieval times. Do you want to mention why that was the case? And then it seems like there's a renewal of um, a trend towards pilgrimage now, uh, modern-day pilgrims doing pilgrimages. Maybe you can address that as well. Yeah, pilgrimage was a, a really important spiritual practice in the Middle Ages. And I think that's because for medieval Christians and their spiritual advisors, like all the monks and mystics and priests, they really saw the physical practice of pilgrimage, of taking a journey. They saw that going hand in hand with the idea that we all journey spiritually in our life. Mm -hmm. So they, they were very into all kinds of practices, perhaps more so than many of us are today. And so this was one that was an outgrowth of we're all on a journey. We've all been invited by God to journey. Physical pilgrimage was a way to get practice at that and to live it out more and to kind of lean towards it in your life. Mm -hmm. And to really walk where Jesus walked. That's, that was all part of it, right? Yes, following Jesus. They, you know, that's why pilgrimage to Jerusalem mm -hmm. was so important. That's what my book is specifically going to focus on, is pilgrimage to Jerusalem because they did want to follow in Jesus's footsteps. They did want to see where he was crucified and also where he was resurrected. And so it was an experience of intimacy with him and a kind of way to obey Jesus's call to follow me. You're using a lot of historical writings and, and firsthand accounts, and there was a lot of danger. And I'll have you back on to share your book after it's published, but I know there's um, a lot of things people don't know about what those pilgrims went through and uh, what drew you to write about the book in the first place. Well, in my previous book on, on the spirituality of medieval maps, pilgrimage journeying began to emerge as a big theme on the maps themselves. And really, it's that any time you study anything about medieval religion or Christianity, you can't get away from pilgrimage. It was, it was such a part of their culture, just of the way they, they thought about mm -hmm. their God and their religion. What I realized when I was writing the book on maps, and that pilgrimage was a subset or one topic in that book, is that there was no way I could really contain it to just a chapter or two. I wanted to see it um, kind of explode into its own topic because it is so rich, and there's so many stories, and it applies so much to us today that it just began to grow out of the bounds of that book, and I realized I need to write a book about it. 
Mm. Now, in Catholic circles, pilgrimage is part and parcel of the experience, and many Catholics go on pilgrimage, for instance, on Good Friday, maybe, or something like that. But in Protestant tradition and evangelical circles, that kind of got left behind with the Protestant Reformation. And um, it's sort of rare. I guess it's getting less rare all the time because you see people of Protestant tradition and no tradition at all, no faith tradition, doing something like the Santiago de Compostela Road in Spain. Um, and so it seems like there's definitely an interest, a renewed interest. Why do you think that is? There is a renewed interest. I think partly, depending on where you live, people are more uh, seeing pilgrimage as a way to connect with their culture, like their history and their past. And that might be even more true of people that live in, in Europe or England, mm. where mm. it was even outlawed, I think, um, during the Reformation. But back in the Middle Ages, it is such a part of the history and the culture of that of that era. So it's a way to get back in touch with your culture and your history, for one thing. And I think also people are, are sensing, as this movement continues to pick up speed today, the pilgrimage movement, that it's a way to get in touch of, of something deep in our soul, that idea that that we're all on a journey in life. I think it's tapping into that, that we're all on our way somewhere, and it's a way to bring together maybe body and spirit or body and soul or a body and what we believe about our faith. And even if people aren't articulating it in that way, I think they're, they're sensing that, mm -hmm. that you can learn a lot on a journey. Mm -hmm. um, and it's tapping into that human drive to be on the spiritual road. You know, I live really close to the Appalachian Trail that goes from Maine to Georgia for people who aren't um, from the United States listening in. And that has had such a boom in recent years. In like the last 20 years, people would um, go this route. It takes maybe three months and it's been done for a very long time. But there is a surge in people doing this, not probably as a spiritual journey per se, a pilgrimage per se, but there is a spiritual element to it, it seems. And some people will do it after um, coming back from um, war or having a, maybe gotten a kidney transplant or a death in their family. And it seems like a way to slow down and think. And there's some camaraderie among hikers doing the trail. Um, and I think we've gotten, our culture, at least in the United States, has gotten really fast-paced and mechanized and um, technology-driven. And there's something about just walking on a trail in nature, I think, that humanizes people again, um, makes us feel like we're organisms instead of machines, perhaps. But there's something very primal about traveling and even migration that points to very early humans and maybe it's tapping into some of that too. Yes, yeah, I agree. Because one thing about a true pilgrimage is that it is, I've learned this from the Middle Ages, it's very, very slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it's built into the definition. Mm -hmm. And it can slow us down, both our body and our mind and our heart. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because we have wanted to join forces and take people on retreat, a contemplative spiritual retreat. And we launched that on September 25th, 2019. 
and it's called Sacred Spaces, and the theme is Place and Pilgrimage. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what's going on, and, and we'll converse about that, too? Yes, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. So that's just a couple days ago that we kind of launched this. I think that uh, New Mexico was such a new experience, right, Lisa, for both you and me. The landscape there, it's beautiful. It's so different if you're not from the Southwest. And it seemed like it's a place that's conducive to spiritual reflection. So it seems like a beautiful place to slow down, get a a change of scenery. Um, And at the same time, New Mexico itself is home to some traditional and old pilgrimage sites. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to bring in the element of pilgrimage. We can take a pilgrimage to New Mexico as a way to slow down and recharge our life. We can talk about spiritual pilgrimage while we're there. And then we can also get a taste of what a real pilgrimage is because we're going to visit a, um, an historical pilgrimage site as part of that retreat. Yeah. So that's going to be June 5th through 7th in 2020. And we've put tickets on sale for that, which include lodging, two nights of lodging, meals, and transportation, which is a 45-minute drive to the Chamayo pilgrimage site that's hundreds of years old. Pilgrimage is often done on Good Friday by thousands of people where they shut down the highways and people sometimes walk up to nine miles there. Um, And it's also a place that's dear to indigenous people and, and local people there. But I think what really struck me about New Mexico, and I'm a from Pennsylvania and an Eastern United States person, the the grandeur of the landscape, how you can see weather coming an hour or two away from you, it puts you in a whole different frame of mind. It seems like such a spiritual place because the mountains are so ancient and they it seems to just engender a sense of awe and mystery and wonder. And there's kind of no getting around it. The mountains just seem like your elders. And I and I think it encourages everyone to stop and slow down and kind of settle into being part of nature there for some reason. And I know that that's, I'm not alone in feeling that. A lot of people have told me there's something very special about that part of the world. Yes, that's why the, the destination that we chose is really an integral part of the retreat. We didn't want to just have a spiritual retreat somewhere. I mean, that in itself is wonderful, mm-hmm. but it's the destination in part that that's going to play an important role. The fact that it's in New Mexico, that it's in Santa Fe, mm-hmm. because that's a huge part of the retreat we want to plan for you. Mm-hmm. We also hope in this retreat to just create time and space to really slow down and rest and rejuvenate. A lot of um, conferences and retreat experiences, you you go away kind of in a hurry, and then there's a lot of activities and programs, speakers and things to do. And what we're hoping is something very different to happen in this experience, which is that you get to just settle down, still yourself, uh, reflect, and spend time in quiet or, or conversation, but not in any kind of hurried or rapid um, and packed in sort of way. There will be 
catered meals that'll be very high-end catered meals, very delicious, and you can sit and enjoy your food, fully taste it without thinking about rushing off to the next thing. And we'll also be doing, we'll be introducing and engaging with spiritual practices from the contemplative stream, things like Lexio Divina and contemplative prayer. And before we go to the pilgrimage site, we're going to get a little bit of a taste about how to prepare our hearts for an inner pilgrimage. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Lisa? So for me, when we say something like an inner pilgrimage or a pilgrimage of the heart, that's something that I think you'll read about a lot in our retreat materials that we put out. Join us in a pilgrimage of the heart. To me, that um, evokes the journey that each of us takes in life. Um, for example, scripture tells us that Jesus is the way, and he asks us to follow him. So there is so much language of journeying in the Bible, in the Christian tradition. So part of the inner pilgrimage is realizing that our life is a sacred journey. Also, I think an inner pilgrimage or a pilgrimage of the heart can mean engaging in prayer or another spiritual practice. Because when we do that, we are leaving the outside world and we're journeying deep within to a place deep within to meet with Jesus. Not that we don't meet, meet Jesus in the activities of our daily life, we do. But a pilgrimage of the heart encourages us to slow down to take the time to journey within. And that might be something we don't always get to do in our busy lives. Sometimes we need a push to do that too. We might um, leave soul care or things like that um, out because we're dealing with our schedules and our, uh, helping other people out in our lives, caring for other people. And that actually soul care refills our, our tank so that we can it can come to overflowing so that we can give out of that overflowing and I think um, hopefully I'm, I'm hoping that people will be encouraged to come on this not because it's going to be some you know luxurious spa thing it's it's really coming to slow down and give yourself the, a sense of putting yourself back together again. It, it's Your life is centered around God. Your heart is centered around God and God's ways, which is thrown completely out of order and in disarray in typical normal life where we're pulled in a bunch of different directions. Mm -hmm. And so in, in that way, when you get away and you're sort of challenged and, and forced to slow down uh, at first, it'll, it can be an anxiety inducing experience. Like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? <laughs> but but when you do it in companionship with other people who are all on the same page, we're all going to take this time out together. We have each other as support. You might have the courage to do it. I don't know that I would do this completely on my own. I think I need partners along the way to, to journey with me. What else would you like to speak toward in relation to the retreat? Well, I have a, a couple other ways we can we can think about um, preparing for an inner pilgrimage. Hmm. That's great. We are going to take a visit to a pilgrimage site, so we will be embodying that. We will be going. 
And if you also think about our inner pilgrimage experience, that's just as important. So one way to get ready for, for this retreat, or if perchance you can't come to get ready for a spiritual pilgrimage you want to take in your life, whether it's through prayer or maybe you're going to begin a new practice. One thing is that in the, in the Middle Ages, or anyone that's going to take a pilgrimage, they're prepared to leave their, their familiar life behind, sometimes for a really long time. And in the Middle Ages, people even wrote their wills before they went on a long-distance pilgrimage. So they were prepared to leave it all behind if they had to, right? at least on paper. And that sounds drastic, but what that means for us is that we can think about what we might need to leave behind as we prepare to take a pilgrimage. So all that means is maybe don't let your past hold you back. Um, don't let one of the medieval mystics even said, if you're, if you're worried about your past or even sins from the past, don't let that hold you back. Keep going forward that it's okay to not have it all together. Yeah. It's okay to be needy when you, when you travel. So yeah. leave those things behind your worries about having it all together or, um, or just anything that's holding you back, to just go forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And another thing to get ready for a spiritual pilgrimage also, and this is super important to me, is to know where you're going. Mm -hmm. Now, the journey itself is important, especially if you think about taking um, a, a local pilgrimage or, or a physical pilgrimage with your body. I think that there are so many things that we learn on the journey itself, all the struggles and the hardship and the companionship. But also, I want us to remember that a true pilgrimage, except in some very specific circumstances, always leads to a destination. So we're going to arrive. So that means even if the journey's hard, like in your prayer life or starting a spiritual practice or anything, if you're on a pilgrimage, and you stick with it, you're going to arrive, you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And in the Middle Ages, people talked about going to Jerusalem, and it was called the place of peace. Mm -hmm. So on your pilgrimage, you should expect to and, and count on arriving at a place of peace. Mm -hmm. So there's always hope in a pilgrimage. There's always that hope that you're going to get to where you want to go. Um, I know people on pilgrimages, you can see this in the in the pictures, leave things behind often. They might write a, a prayer on a rock and leave it there. A lot of people leave rosaries and from Catholic tradition, but people also leave tokens, little tokens, um, different things. Some people leave like a coin or a shell or something like that. And there's something really interesting about the ritual and the embodiment of spiritual practice. Um, I'm not as familiar with from from growing up in a, in a tradition that was much more about what you knew. Um, you know, if you knew stuff from the Bible, if you knew the right answers to things. But there's something about, um, even if it's walking and praying at the same time, where I get my body involved and I embody something as a spiritual practice, something about going to a pilgrimage site and standing at different locations and, and praying or writing a note and leaving it behind. 
a prayer note to God. There's something different that happens in, in rituals that are enacted in a place or with other people that is a lot more potent. And I, I was just not used to that growing up. And now that I'm, I guess, exposed to and, and reading more about what people in different sorts of Christian traditions are up to and have been doing for hundreds and thousands of years. Those are really rich traditions to draw from. And so for me, I'm really looking forward to going to Chimayo and seeing, I believe there's, there's either four or five chapels uh, going into them and praying there and going to the different places where people leave things behind and seeing what those are and and maybe leaving something behind also. I agree. And for me, one of the reasons I really want to do this um, is it's, you know, I'm an historian. This is really a way also for me of engaging with my body and also with with the past, with, with the lessons, with the, all the people that have gone before us, whether it's the people in New Mexico. And I'll also be thinking of all those medieval pilgrims I love to study also. Um, it's a way of learning from our, our spiritual uh, Christian ancestors. And that's really meaningful to me to know that we're participating in something that's been going on for such a long time and that we're part of the great, the great tradition. It's easy, especially in, in contemporary times, or especially in, in Protestantism, I think, is to think think of things just based on pure experience or on emotional, you know, maybe go to a, a service where you feel like it's tied to an emotional experience or and not really sense that groundedness, the history of Christianity, all of the the people who've gone before, all the devoted people who've written and lived their lives in devotion. And when you go to these old places, and some of these places in New Mexico are in built in the 1600s, and for for the United States, that is really old. And there's something that sometimes I get goosebumps. Going to these sites you know are this old, and you and it gives you a anyway for me and it gives me a shift in consciousness in perspective and I think this Christianity that I'm a part of maybe not how I grew up um, being a part of it but is very long and rich and, and diverse and I'm it's rooted it's not this you know fly by night thing I think some people might. Um, feel disconnected from that. And that's why some of these practices that have been going on for such a long time help connect us to the, to the church eternal, the past, the present, and the future. Yes. Pilgrimage and, and practices like that, mm -hmm. they let us know that we're part of, of something bigger. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. It's probably just a basic human need, but that's, that's part of what religion is. It's that binds us to something. And um, it helps us feel loved and connected and part of community and it, in, a, in very, very positive ways. Of course, religion has, has done damage and things like that. But the part of religion that's good that I think we need to hang on to is those parts that make us more human, more compassionate, more loving, and keep us grounded and uh, you know kind towards each other and stuff. This is how we 
come to be more like Jesus by pausing and becoming aware and reflecting on who we are and who we are in in the span of time as well. Um, so I guess what I'm really hoping, I'm very excited about sacred spaces as a, a retreat experience and a, and a pilgrimage visit. It's something very new. I don't, I've never been a part of something like this before, but I would have loved to have been. <laughs> and I'm hoping that we can get a few people to journey with us and, and do it together. And we'll, I think it'll be a really amazing experience and time together. And a, I'm hoping a time that I can get out of the way, we can get out of the way and just let God work in our hearts. If you're listening, uh, please prayerfully consider coming with us and enjoy this time of maybe a different setting, a time to slow down and recharge your soul and engage in some ancient Christian spiritual practices. We hope you come. If you're interested in coming or learning more, there's a way you can get on our update letter. You can go to my website, sparkmymuse.com, or you can go to the contemplative writer. What's what's your what's your website address, Lisa? Thecontemplativewriter.com. And there'll be links there to get more information about what we're up to. You can also search at eventbrite.com and, and search for us, or you can go to sacred spaces santa fe.eventbrite.com. And that's where the event is already up. There is some very special pricing that is good only until the end of October 2019, and then the prices go up. It's an early bird price, but it goes up quite a bit. So get in early if you'd like to get the best pricing on that. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening today. We hope that you take a pilgrimage of the heart wherever you are, and if you can't make it to New Mexico in June, there's also an opportunity to sponsor someone who can't make it financially. We're really hoping that money isn't the reason why you can't come. And we're taking donations to make it more affordable for people who are in that situation. You can donate $5, $20, whatever is possible for you at the ticket page. And we hope that if it's on your heart to come, that you'll be able to do that. Thank you for listening and there'll be something new next Wednesday.